Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Excellence Expector with me, Mark Asquith. And listen, thank you once again. I say this every week, don't I? Every single episode. But thanks so much for pressing that play button. It really does mean a lot. And speaking of things that mean a lot, today we are going to talk about data. I don't know about you guys, but I am sick to death of hearing the words big data. What the hell does that mean? Big data. For a small business, being frank, it doesn't mean that much. But We're all about the data, people telling us to look at our social engagement, people telling us to look at our social reach, people telling us to look at our Google Analytics and our click-through rates and so on and so forth. But if we've got a small business, and more importantly, if we've got a small business website that doesn't command the volume that that kind of platform is suited to, what the heck do we do? How can we understand what the little bits of data that we gather actually mean? And more importantly... How can we turn that data into meaningful client relationships? And that is what we are going to challenge today. And with me on this episode is someone who actually does this for a living. We were just talking in the pre-interview chatter about uh, how this company has just moved into a fantastic place up in the north of England in Manchester, just over the hill from me. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Tim Langley from Candy. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I stumbled over my words then. I've just, I've moved on to green tea, um, which is a bit random. And I just feel like I'm hallucinating like seven hours a day, which is really weird. Then let's talk data. It'll be wonderful. Hallucinations, (laughs) data, lies, damn lies, statistics. That'll bring me back into the world of reality, won't it? (laughs) I love it. So Tim, let's talk candy for a second. What is it? What does it do? And specifically, what do you do? Okay. So, um, well, let's start at like like most things, let's start at the very beginning. So Candy, uh, we are a Manchester-based tech startup. Um, We've been going five years now, and there's six people in the company. Um, We help companies build relationships with the visitors that are coming onto their website. Uh, I I say that very carefully. We're all about helping put a name and a face and some contact details some engagement. Why would you want to reach out and have a conversation with this particular visitor? Which has got to be so, so important. I mean, I talked in the the preamble about the importance of data and everyone does ramble on about this big data. You know, the idea that we're just putting so much information out there on the web all of the time, every single minute of every single day, that everything is there for us. But we were talking again in the preamble, that doesn't a lot of the time, it doesn't matter to small business because we don't have the resource or the data to actually make use of that. So what's different about what you guys do for small business? So well, we, we started, um, when, when we started Candy, uh, I was working for a digital agency here in Manchester. Um, and we did typical, for, for our clients, we did traditional B2B marketing. So we would, we, we would work with a generated list of data. Sometimes we'd buy it. Sometimes they'd have built their own list. We would build content for them. We would, we would, we would send emails. We would try to get people to engage with that content. We tried to send them to landing pages. We tried to get people to, to, to fill in a, fill in a, uh, an inquiry form to download a white paper. Classic 
online B2B marketing. And, and it was it was relatively effective. Um, we would we would send out monthly emails. Every month we might send a thousand emails. We might have 800 people open it, 300 click through, and you'd end up with 10 to 15 people that had actually downloaded that white paper. And, and, and that was very exciting. And we, we then feed that data back to our clients as here's some target people you might be interested in talking to. Um, and then what happened, and this is, this is really the, the nub of what started Candy, we'd give them these kind of vertical metrics. For this campaign, this is what happened. You had 30% click through and, and, and 2% actually, uh, actually download or inquire. And they'd say to us, Tim, that's, that's, that's really interesting. But what we'd like to know is at a horizontal level, how is Bob engaging with our content? So Bob, who's just, just downloaded a white paper today, is this the first time he's ever woken up to our content? Or has he been reading our content on a regular basis, but, but not inquired before? Or when we do reach out to him, and when we do pass it to our sales team, what, what is that, what, what, what's, the key, what's the key things that's going to get Bob excited? Um, and we would be using tools. So we, we, we were uh, like, like, uh, like most agencies, we were trying to figure out the most effective and most efficient ways to do stuff. So we'd be using tools like MailChimp to send our emails. We'd be building landing pages. We'd be capturing the data on inquiry forms. But trying to pull together that horizontal view was taking two to three man days per month to try to analyze this mess of data just to know who was interesting and who wasn't interesting. And so I was sitting in a pub with my co-founder, Tom Cheesewright, and, uh, uh, and we said we could do this by, by, by actually tracking, analyzing, understanding the visitors coming to that site. And, and that's, that's ultimately what started Candy. So, so, so today, um, today, the way Candy works, when someone comes or when a, when a, when a, when a visitor comes to your website, we will drop a, a real-time first-party cookie onto that machine. We track everything. Oh. Finally found you. Finally found you, buddy. Uh, so, so, sorry about anybody in the background. That was, a, uh, that was a, a, an ambulance driving past the, uh, the centre of Manchester. Right? I, I thought it was too. a police car. I'm, I live in Barnsley, so police cars are just like my soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a police car. I, uh, next time it happens, I'll run over and see. But uh, better check for the um, audience listening out there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, so 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 basically, what we do when someone comes to a website, we drop a first-party cookie onto that machine. We then track every single thing that visitor does from the first time they come to your website until the time they choose to opt in to identifying who they are, um, and and when they do choose to make that opt-in identification, we can then tell you all of the historic data. We can tell you the things they're interested in. We can tell you what they've downloaded, what videos they've watched, what white papers they've read, what products of yours they're, they're, they're particularly, they've particularly spent their time looking at. Where this becomes really valuable, it's really valuable for your salespeople when someone first inquires, they know what they've done and therefore they know, okay, this is, this is how to start the conversation. This is what to reach out about. Um, it's also really valuable, especially we have uh, a lot of the times it's B2B companies that are using this, where what they're really interested in is, is not just getting the lead, but also the longer term engagement as that visitor goes through the sales process. 
we typically find as we as we work with customers, typically people will come onto a website somewhere between three to six months in, in a B2B context in particular. Some they'll come onto a website somewhere between three to six months ahead of them actually making the purchase. They'll have a really good route around. They'll find things they're particularly interested in. Um, we, my, my, uh, my, my, my sales director described it as your website is your, your best marketing person. Your website knows everything about your business, often far more than the individuals within the, within the business. It knows what's good. It knows what certain features, benefits, and it will keep serving this information up to your website visitors. But never once does your website question, never once does your website try to close. Your website is your best marketing person, your worst salesperson. That's a really good analogy. I like that. that that's really well put. That's so true. And the one thing that I'm, I find really curious about all of this is we, we talked again in the preamble about you know the difference between a customer and a client and a relationship and a one-off sale and so on and so forth. And what I'd like to do is just sort of draw that back for the listeners and say, well, look, if you are working with these small levels of data, you know, this idea of big data, turn that on its head. If you've got the small data and you've got people landing on your website, what, what can people do in small business when they're perhaps on limited resources? They've perhaps not got, I guess, that much money to spend with this intelligence that we can now be provided with specifically, what else can I do with that? So how can I tweak my marketing, my ongoing marketing? How can I tweak? Yes, we've talked about opening the sales funnel, but how does that help nurture an ongoing relationship with people? How does it affect our content marketing and so on and so forth? So there's, so there's two different, there's two different pieces I think that come together there. The first one is the, um, is the big data, small data question. So, um, we're, we're, we're big, big fans of tools, uh, of, of traditional, I'm going to use the word carefully there, but traditional analytics tools. For example, things like Google Analytics. Google Analytics is great at giving you that kind of population level view. Yesterday, you had 100 visitors, 20 of them were from Barnsley, possibly. Um, uh, and, and we do have internet here, actually. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's most of the population, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> That's all the population and some visitors. Um, so, so 20, 20 of the people were from Barnsley and you can see where they went and you can see where they dropped off the site and you can see what drove them to the site. But at the end of the day, when you give that data to a salesperson, they go, so what? Because whilst it's nice to see these kind of these kind of these kind of population level data, you can't sell to a page view. People buy from people. People sell to people. People engage with people. Um, now, what that means is, if you've got a high enough volume site, you can use this kind of population level data to make some intelligent guesses. If you can see that fifty percent of your traffic fall off falls off your conversion funnel at a particular point, you know you've probably got a problem with with that point in the funnel. But when you only have low numbers of visitors and, and some of our customers were a typical customer for candy, they might have a thousand, they might have ten thousand, they might have up to a hundred thousand visits per month. At that kind of level, trying to do any intelligent statistical analysis even if you have the bandwidth and the resource to do it, actually, you just don't have enough data to really draw anything from it. And that's really where the, uh, we started the conversation about building relationships. And we started the conversation about identifying clients. 
So, um, and, and actually this, is, this, this, this uh, analogy came from one of our customers. They said to us, you're not really after customers, are you? You're after clients. And I said, uh, so what, this is a, a company called uh, Conscious Solutions with Dan in Bristol. I said, David, what, 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 what do you mean by the difference? And he said, well, he said, uh, a, a customer's a transactional person. They come to you um, to make a purchase. It's a transactional purchase and off they go again. A client, on the other hand, is someone that's coming for wisdom, experience. They're coming, they're coming to you because you are a knowledgeable resource. And in my experience, most every SME is after clients. If you're just looking to be the lowest cost producer, if you're looking to sell, if you're looking to compete with Amazon.com, for an SME, that's a terribly, terribly difficult place to be because we, we don't have the volume to be playing in that market and, and most of the time don't want to. So clients come to us because they want that little bit extra. They want the experience. They want the knowledge. They want to know why, why, who and why. But again, most web tracking and certainly Google Analytics, whether you look at whether you look at original Google Analytics or whether you look at Google Universal Analytics, it's all anonymous. It doesn't tell you who the person is. And therefore, how do you know how to go about building that relationship? You don't even know who to reach out to. And that's really where Candy fits in. Just to extend upon that then, is there I'm thinking about use cases here. You know, how can people go ahead and start working with segments of this data? And I'm, I'm thinking about the maintenance side of things. If you're a small business, the idea of creating custom funnels or custom content or custom whatever for specific individuals, can you draw that upper level and start to say, well, look, these types of people need this type of communication. Can you do it on a more trend level sort of uh, basis? Yes, absolutely. Um, you can look at you can look at you, you if you, if you imagine Google Analytics going top down, this is going the other way up. This says, okay, I've got somebody. I don't know. I've got somebody come onto my website today. They've inquired today. I can see who they are, and I can see what they've done. And you then say, is there anybody else that looks like this? And 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 software comes back and it says uh, it says, well, actually. Here's another five people that look very similar. You go, okay, well, in that case, I might try to, to, to reach out to them or I might try to treat them in a similar type of way. And that is so, so powerful because it means, you know, everyone talks about marketing automation and especially in this world of creating content all of the time, this whole inbound marketing, um, yep. I wouldn't say it's a trend, but, you know, it's <laughs> certainly a very valid practice, but it does demand a heck of a lot of resource. And sometimes... And we've all, we've, we have all done this. I do this myself sometimes, and it's ridiculous to do so. We don't put the time into creating the proper content for the proper people. I, and I, I think it'd be wonderful if we did have the time, especially at an SME level, if we did have the time to do that. It'd be, it would be absolutely fantastic to be able to do everything for everyone. And what I, I love about what you're saying here is by taking this, what we see to be a small amount of data, because I think that's the thing with small businesses. Sometimes they feel that analytics and content marketing and proper laid out marketing funnels. Well, it's just not for me because I'm not quite big enough for that. What I love about this small data idea is that you can set these trends and you can automate things, but in a much more relevant and personable manner. And is that something that your clients are doing? Are they seeing some success from that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, 
we so we 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 have companies. Um, we we do very well with companies in manufacturing. We do very well with companies. We 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 provide data that powers salespeople. Um, we. You know, I was going to say something and Mark and I've completely forgot. You know, you know when you have that moment, you have something in your brain and you went, I've no idea what's going on there. You've not been on the green tea, have you? Because that's doing, that is just absolutely just killing me. I've no idea. I didn't think it was so potent. I've not been on the green tea, but we have invested in a new Nespresso machine for the, uh, for the office. It's, it's very cliched, but, uh, <sighs> but I can but tell you in Manchester. Great, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell we're in Manchester Nespresso. Top. We don't get anything like that in Barnsley. We get like Nescafe instant. You got to pop the top yourself. And if the kettle's boiled, you get a cup. If not, it's game over. Do you know, I, I said that to, uh, I said that to one of our customers, uh, who's from Macclesfield actually, I said, just investing in Nespresso. And he said, your guys are so lucky. So we buy bacon sandwiches once a week, and that's uh, that's the highlight of their week. So uh, <laughs> that um, sounds I, about I right. Went to go and visit them, that was uh, that was what went on in my head. Friday mornings, off we go down to uh, down to Macclesfield. Um, right, what were we just talking about? Um, you were asking me about marketing automation. So right, so that's the other kind of interesting bit that sits here. So because when uh, again, this is the when when you imagine big data. So one of the and and, you, and, you, and what what is big data? So for, for an organization of Facebook size, big data is humongous. For, for even a large company, big data actually, most of it gets thrown away. It doesn't get analyzed. They talk about it, but they really don't do anything with it. Um, actually, small data is far more exciting than big data. But small data, the upside of small data is you can store everything forevermore. So, so you never need to throw away any, if you're capturing the data, you never need to throw away this data. Where this gets really exciting. Um, so, so for example, you, you, you see someone, you go, that's kind of interesting. Their path through the website's quite neat. I wonder if anyone ever historically, and you can build funnels on the fly because you're dealing with, with manageable sets of every activity, but manageable sets of data. You go, what would that funnel look like? And it goes, well, actually, 5% of your visitors go through a funnel that looks like that. 5% of your visitors come through Twitter. Um, actually, it's just a really good example, a really good example we had from one of our customers. Um, so they are a paintballing, uh, a pa- an online paintball shop. Um, the thing that was really interesting, they noticed of their highest value, excuse me, of their highest value customers, highest value clients, the majority of these guys went to their About Us page before making their first purchase. And we went, that is really weird. What, why is that? And so they reached out and they started speaking to some of these guys. And these guys said, well, we saw your pricing. We saw what you did, but we just wanted to know you were for real. So we went to your About Us page because we wanted to know that this was Jim and Jill and you're based in a warehouse in Darlington. Um, and so now what happened is they started changing their flow that said, if somebody looks like they're a high value prospect, if they're not, if this is a, if this is a new visitor that they've never engaged with before, but they look like they're high value, then start promoting to them. Did you know, here's a picture of our warehouse. We're based in Darlington. Come and read our about us page. By doing that, they see their inquiries increase. And we see the conversions increase. They see, and, and, and hence means more business because, because, People, we, uh, uh, pe- when people visit a website, we think we're showing them everything they want to see. But nine times out of ten, the stuff that's going on in our prospect brain has nothing to do with what 
we believe we want to be serving up to them. And again, just to come back to the sales versus marketing analogy, if, you were, if your salesperson had gone to visit a prospect, if they knew who it was, if they'd gone to visit that prospect, a good salesperson, two ears, one mouth, they're going to be asking a question and doing lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of listening. And in most instances, our websites don't do any of that listening because they don't collect the type of data that you, that you can listen to or that one can listen to. I love the idea of, of the fact that in the instance you gave there, a question was able to be asked that would never have come up before. So reaching out to a small set of customers and asking, why did you go to our about page? That kind of intelligence is absolutely gold. It's absolute gold. And, and it's so easy to do as well. Uh, and you wouldn't necessarily think to ask that question, would you? You would never necessarily notice that. And it's just this little nugget of data that's come from, like you say, maybe 5% of your visitors that has enabled you to say, better ask that. I better figure out why that is. And ordinarily, you'd be ignorant of it and you'd just assume that the flow and the, the funnel through the website was homepage, bit of browsing, category page, product page, buy. You know, it's- well, again, again so, so, many, so many times listening to trends and, and listening to what's going on in, 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 in analytics and testing, and you hear words like A-B testing. You need to be A-B testing your, uh, <laughs> your, 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 your website to discover it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you need to be A-B testing your website to discover whether it's a red button or a green button that makes a difference. But, but again, coming back to the notion of big data versus little data, if you don't have enough visitors, you're never going to get an intelligent response from an A-B test because you're not going to, as likely as enough, you're not going to have enough traffic to actually know whether the change you made made a statistical difference or didn't make a statistical difference. So the upside of asking qualitative data, qualitative questions, why, how, who, is that actually you get a chance to start that conversation. And it, it most certainly is about that conversation as well. And you mentioned something there that just sort of echoes a sentiment that I've long, long pondered and long thought was true is that, as I said earlier, a lot of small business owners, a lot of people perhaps working in, in small business marketing teams just don't believe that any of this split testing that's out there is going to be effective for them purely because they just don't have either the manpower or, as you say, the data to do anything meaningful with it. And what I love about this is that <laughs> when you're getting an ear bashing from the business owner or if you're the business owner, you're looking at giving the ear bashing because you don't know why your website is not performing. You've got an alternative now. It's not just, well, let's do some split testing. You can actually start to grab that qualitative data and open the conversations. And I think that's sort of personally, I think that's a bit of a trend that we're going to see more and more of conversationalism, you know, starting to ask people, what do you want from our business? What can we give you? It's well. It's it's. So someone described it to me the other day, Mark. Because that is almost like going back to Victorian service. So so Victorian times, you would walk into your local corner shop, um, and uh, obviously it's before my time, but uh, um, that was a joke. You can laugh at that one at least, Mark. But uh, I, so I was just looking at the pictures that I've received from you, and I was thinking to myself, Tim, is it really before your time? <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, I'm losing it on the top, but uh, but, but there's limits, there's limits. Um, no, but seriously, you, you you'd go to you, you imagine you imagine Victorian service. You'd walk into the village corner store, and the chap would know your name, or or, or even or even it's not even Victorian time. It's 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 roll, roll back thirty or forty years. You go to the bank manager. The bank manager would know who you are. You had a relationship. He, you meant something to him, and, and possibly he meant something back to you as well. Event- that is, it's vital. I, I just sorry to interrupt there. It just reminded me of, uh, I listened to an episode of the Tim Ferry show mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, and he was saying that, um, you know, this idea of walking into this corner store, I think he used the example of a deli or a, a, yeah. a patisserie or a butcher's or whatever. And he was saying that, listen, this place that I go, it's more expensive than anywhere. And the food, yeah, you, okay, it's, it's, it's as good, if not slightly better, but it certainly doesn't warrant the value. Uh, sorry, the, the extra expense. But the difference is... You pay for you say, people. Exactly. And the guy behind the counter knows your name. He can anticipate what you might want to cook. He knows your tastes. And it's amazing. It's amazing the power that, that can have. Yeah, it's... Uh, we... we, we uh, so, 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 so it's, going, it's going back to that notion of caring about individuals, knowing, knowing and then caring. Um, but, but again, you look at then what happens on the internet. Nobody knows you're a dog. That's a classic quote, isn't it? Um, and, and, and you look at most of the tracking that exists, and most of the, most of the monitoring that exists that's out there, and nobody knows you're a dog. No one knows what you're interested in. No one, and, and to be fair, they don't care either, because until they can get to a stage of knowing your identity, what can one do? What can one do? There is a, there is a contrast, and I'm sure you'll be coming on to this, but, but I'm going to jump in full feet forwards anyway, which is say, okay, so Tim, that sounds lovely, but what about the privacy angle? Like, surely Big Brother is watching you. Nobody wants that, do they? It's, uh, um, we, we actually find, um, and l- like anything, you've got to use this kind of data the right way. Abuse data, use data the wrong way, it's horrible for everybody involved. But we, we have an analogy, and it kind of fits in well, which is why I jumped in with it here. We have an analogy, we call it the pub landlord. So it says, I've been drinking, because I've been running a business now in central Manchester for five years. I've been drinking in the same pub on a Friday night most of those five years. And I walk in there. I walk in there on a Friday. I've had a rough week. Things just haven't gone well for a change. It's been a tough day. And the landlord recognizes me coming in, and he says, Tim, you look like you've had a, you've, you've had a tough time. Why don't you sit down? Here's a pint of Guinness. Take the world off your, uh, take the world off your shoulders. And, and when you're ready to chat, then come back to me, and we'll, and we'll have a nice catch-up. And I go, that is amazing customer service. He knows who I am. He recognizes the state I'm in. He knows what I'm interested in. And he says, listen, just take it easy and come back when you're ready. That to me is great customer service. Well, now, the, where- the, the overriding thing with that is he cares. That's beautiful. Well, so where it becomes big brother, though, is, I don't know, I walk into a pub in Barnsley. I've never been to Barnsley before. Um, might, might come and visit. Now I know you're over there, Mark. But oh, I've never been come to down, will you? We'll, yeah. uh, we'll bring your pub landlord as well. We'll have a good old well, chinwhack. Well, so, well, so therein lies the problem. So I walk into a pub in the middle of Barnsley. And this, if you like, is the difference between, between, between small businesses that can use small data really effectively and big businesses which abuse the data. So I walk into a, a pub in the middle of Barnsley. I've never been there before. And the landlord goes, I know your face from the internet. Tim Langley, do you want a Guinness? And I am so scared because <laughs> that's wrong. That is a really, really 
good way of explaining that because that it happens so often online and you know you yeah. see you, so, so many of the big players where they're sending data everywhere and, and 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 i think i think that's only going to be a problem which gets which a gets worse and worse and b consumers are going to become more aware of it and more distasteful of it um whereas whereas for small businesses actually it, 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 we, we, we have, a, we have a, a conversation we have internally, which is the, the thing with relationships is there are two ways. I choose to have a relationship with you and you choose to have a relationship with me. If you, want to, if you as a business want to have a relationship with me and I don't want to have a relationship with you, I'll make it fairly clear I don't want to have a relationship with you. On the other hand, if I want to have a relationship with you and you just ignore me, I will go away. And most of the time, we ignore people today, not, not because we deliberately want to ignore them, just because we don't use the data that's flowing through our systems to realize that actually Tim Langley was in my pub yesterday and would really have liked to have been offered a Guinness. Yeah, uh, that's so important. I think just be mindful of how you use the data. And I think small businesses have got the privilege of being able to do that, just like the corner shop owner or the butcher and so on and so forth. We've got that kind of... We've got the ability it, to have the it, personality. It, it comes. It comes back to the Tim Ferriss conversation. Uh, it, it's the one that says, "I choose to go to that small business because I want to have a relationship," and vice yeah, versa. And it's most certainly people for people, which I think, as he says, I think back to the Tim Ferriss chat. I think that on the business side of things, being a small business and having that amount of data to analyze and look at and work with. You can afford to spend the time and do it meaningfully and in a mindful manner. So you do get so much more back but it's, if you start to measure things. That's that's true. You you, you raise a really good point though, and this is uh, I, I should cover this one. It's one that says there are no silver bullets. So um, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, you can have the best technology in the world and, and listen, buy candy, buy candy. There you are, my subliminal plug. Um, but no, in a, in a I never noticed either. It's good job you mentioned it. <laughs> um, no, but in, but in a serious point, um, in a serious point, you can have the best systems, you can have the best data in the world. You do have to mine this. This is, uh, sorry, you do have to use this. Um, mine and data analytics are a bad word to put together. But uh, yeah, you do have to use this data. If you know who has been coming on, but you choose to slam the door in their face because you don't want to talk to them, <laughs> it's not going to help your bottom line. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And actually, that segues perfectly into the actionable tips section of the show. So the listeners out there, you guys know that we always close the show with three actionable tips. I can't even speak. It's this bloody green tea. Three actionable tips. <laughs> do, do you want to do that one again, Mark? Let's, let's try again. Oh, we're fine. We mentioned in the preamble again, Tim asked for the listeners out there, Tim asked, do you edit this? And I said, well, it depends how much I mess up. So we'll, we'll leave it in, you know. We'll, I, I think to. you said, Tim, I'll edit anything you say that's illegal, immoral. No, 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 no. Um, depends where the boundaries are on that one. Though. I mean, who's, who's morals? What laws are we... <laughs> <laughs> three actionable tips. Okay. Three actionable tips. How can people get used to using small data to build client relationships? That's the real okay. kicker. So three things. First one, you got to track absolutely everything. Everything, everything, everything. If you're not capturing the data, you can't do anything with it. Sounds sounds silly. But, 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 and it doesn't matter what tools you use, but you've got to find some way to track it and some way to plug the relevant data into your existing systems. So this isn't about, this isn't about saying to your sales guys, start using five new systems. It's about saying, okay, tracking everything, putting the relevant stuff into your existing, into your existing systems. 
Do you know, that just raises a really interesting point, actually, because Come I think- Come on, I've got to get my free point tight. No, no, carry on, Mark, carry on. We're, on the, we're, not, we're not on the clock anymore because I've realised that I'm just rambling along anyway. So I'm just, sorry, listeners, this might be a little longer than normal. But uh, <laughs> the, you, you made a really interesting point, and I fall into this trap so often in the past, and it's the shiny, shiny trap. It's, ooh, a new system, I'm going to dive into that. Yeah. And then I don't do anything with it. And then a new one comes along that does a very similar thing. I'm like, ooh, new system, I better have some of that. And I completely get that. It's not about saying, let's use these new things. It's about saying, let's just get it done. Yeah, very much so. And we, we spend a lot of our time when we first start working with customers to go, okay, well, how do you currently do stuff? What do you do today? Okay, if you had a bit more data at that point in the process, would your life be easier? <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. Um, so that's so the first part, track everything. Second thing, qualitative, not quantitative. So it's great to be able to put a score to everything. It's great to be able to put a number to everything. We feel good about saying my web traffic was 5% higher today than it was yesterday because I did X. But especially when you're dealing with small data, I encourage you to think qualitative, asking the why, asking the who, asking the how, when you're dealing with relatively small amounts of data, just by asking those type of questions can lead to massive, massive, oh, hang on, here comes, here comes the next one. Are they back? It might be the same one, just yeah. heading back to the pizza shop. If, if, if I looked outside the window, it's probably a little, a little man running back with a big swag bag over his shoulder. But, uh, <laughs> and some theme tune music playing. Um, <laughs> so, right, sorry, where were we? Thinking qualitative, not quantitative. So, so basically, asking questions, listening to results. When you've got relatively low, and like I say, for, for our customers, relatively low can go up to 100,000 visitors per month. But when you've got relatively low data, starting to engage people and giving people the ability to ask why. We had a, uh, um, we, we did a little survey this year, a, a couple of months ago, um, just going slightly off top track there. But we, we have a product as part of our, it's part of our set called Candy Capture. It's basically a little pop-up box that appears when it looks like someone's stuck and asks them, is there anything we can do to help? And it's amazing. People are getting somewhere between three to five times more inquiries or more more engagement through just asking them it asks the most stupid question that says can't find what you're looking for can we help you and people just pour out what's in their brain it's amazing ask very open very qualitative questions people will tell you everything you ever want to know uh, about how they can engage with you and what they're looking for I love that. And if you can tell, if you can tell what someone's looking for and you can give it to them, then the business becomes easy. I know that's yeah, we, a really... So we, we, had, uh, we had a customer of ours that's up in Durham. Uh, and because the other pieces, they'll be so specific. So we had a customer up in Durham and, uh, and, and they wrote, they said, can't find what you're looking for. And this is someone that had been on their site browsing around for about four or five minutes um, and it didn't pop up until they'd done that. But they'd clearly been doing, they'd been lost um, and this pop-up appeared and it said, can't find what you're looking for. And the customer replied and they said, we've got part number XYZ. We're wondering, do you do it with two millimeter smaller holes? <laughs> you would never put on your website FAQ. Yes, we've got this with two millimeter smaller holes. <laughs> it's amazing that actually. That's because the you kind of thing that bothers people. It's amazing. It's amazing because you never know where that customer is going to lead either. That customer turns into a client. 
and suddenly the lifetime value of that customer and it turns into you know something well, that you would never thought of. Well, that, and that, that kind of leads on to my third point. I was going to I was going to have my third point as clients, not customers, but but I'm, but I'll change it to to actually the third point being it's not all about the first date. So so many times when we look at website optimization. We're just interested in getting someone to do it right now. Ide- uh, convert now because, because that's the only time I know that I've got you. Um, but, but, but especially in the B2B world, especially with high-value B2C type products, it's not about the first date. It's about the awareness, interest, desire, action, classic ADA. But if you can get people to start to talk to you earlier in the funnel – you stand so much better chance of actually engaging with them when they're ready to buy. Um, I read a stat the other day which said, these days when someone engages with your sales team, uh, or when, when, a, when a prospect chooses to engage with your sales team, they've already made the decision to purchase. And they already typically already know who they're purchasing from. So the only question is, are you the guy they're already going to buy from? Or are you just another one that makes up the numbers so they're doing a comparison? That's a really good, uh, really good point, actually. And it's, I, I just hark back to the point you make about it not being all about the first date. So many business people, so many small business people, when they consider digital traffic, when they consider digital inquiries, they do think like that. And it's such a difficult thing to overcome because it's, you wouldn't, you would never buy the first thing that you saw if you were buying a new TV or and you were shopping around for a new car. It's, you're absolutely right. The moment you walk in with the purchase intention, doesn't matter who the salesman is, you're going to buy it. And, and you, know, you, know why, you know why that is in the web world, folks, because we've, we've been sold the notion, and, and it's absolutely correct, by the way, but we've been sold the notion that on the internet you can measure everything, but when you actually look at small data, let's be clear here, when you look at small data, but you're trying to analyze it through the eyes of big data, it doesn't make any sense. If you can't tell the difference between the person that's been back five times looking at a product and the person that's looking at that product for the first time, the only option you've got is to treat every visit, every person like a first date. That's a really, really good point. I love that. Tim, that has been such a good interview. I've really enjoyed that. And I think there's a heck of a lot of action in there. For You're people. welcome. It's been, it's been quite fun as well. So uh, th- thanks very much for listening. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure chatting to you, Tim. It really has. And uh, just before we wrap it up and I try and just get more of this green tea in me to try and quash some of this weird hallucinogenic effect that it's having, just tell the listeners listening where they can find you online. Where can they connect? Oh, crikey. So, so the easy ones are the business ones. So on Twitter, we are at Candy. Uh, we love listening to customers, prospects. We love getting involved in debate and conversation. Um, obviously, www.candy.com uh, is, is the main web address. Um, and me, I'm Tim Langley. I'm all over the internet. Feel free to, uh, to throw abuse, questions, queries, or just engage in a, in a good chinwag. Sounds good to me. Check it out, guys. And I will put everything in the show notes as ever. So everything that myself and Tim have spoken about, plus all of those links will be available at excellence-expected.com. Tim, once again, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening. Really is a pleasure. And for you guys listening today, I'm going to ask a small favor, please. If you like the show, just do me one small thing and tell a friend to listen. That's the biggest thing you could possibly do for us. Thank you so much for doing that. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.